The imagination is a wonderful thing, a gift from God. It's not only for children, although they use it the most. With it, we can see things we have only heard about, but never actually seen with our eyes. It is through our imagination, or eyes of faith, that we see the things we read about in the Bible, both in the past and in the future. I hope that as I tell my story, that your imagination will help you to see it as I did all those years ago. Let's go back in time now and let the scene come alive as you picture in your mind's eye the memories I am relating. My name is Daniel. My story begins nearly 20 years ago on a wintry Christmas Eve at the Midvale Children's Home Orphanage in our small country town. I was approaching my 10th birthday, having been at the orphanage most of my young life. I had contracted a disease three years before that had crippled me, and the doctors weren't sure if I would even walk again. I had been in and out of foster homes for the past few years, but the strain of caring for a sick, wheelchair-bound child was just too much for most families in our poor county, and I always ended up back here for some reason. I had almost given up on the hope of ever having a real family of my own. The joy of Christmas that I had known as a younger child was fading away, and this year I was not really looking forward to it for the first time I could remember. I was older than most of the other kids at the orphanage and had few friends. I mean, who wanted to be friends with someone that couldn't run and play with you? I can still see the orphanage that had been my home for so long. I could picture the excitement on the faces of the other kids as they all got ready for the annual Christmas party. Although the tree had been partly decorated earlier in the month, the final decorations were saved for us to put on that night. Miss Dickinson, our home's activity director and stand-in mother, said that when she was a little girl, they didn't put up the tree until Christmas Eve. She wanted us to know a little of the joy of decorating on that special night, so this was her compromise. Now, you wouldn't think that such surroundings would lend themselves to wonderful Christmas memories, but it happens occasionally that the best memories of our lives can be born out of the most bleak and unpromising of circumstances. And there, in the midst of loneliness and despair, I found hope and love and acceptance, all wrapped up in the Christmas family. Miss Dickinson gathered the children together got them to quiet down, which was no small feat considering their excitement, and she told us of a surprise visitor, a special guest that was coming a little later. Of course, we all knew who it was, old Saint Nick, and most of the kids also knew who was behind the white beard, Mr. Clements, the gardener and janitor of the institution. But since they loved them both, it was all the same, and they knew he came bearing gifts. I was aware that the gifts were donated to the home by churches and kind people, but knowing that none of the gifts were bought just for me stole the happiness a little. Miss Dickinson really believed in traditions and passing them along to what she considered her children. So each year, as the sun set on Christmas Eve, we would bundle up and go out into the surrounding neighborhood of our little town singing carols. The people in the homes looked forward to it, knowing who we were and where we came from, and made special effort to greet us, to listen, and to invite us in for cookies and hot apple cider. I had always enjoyed it when smaller and in better health, but now I had to stay behind. The snow was too deep for my wheelchair, 
and I was easy to get sick. As the other children left to get their coats and boots, Miss Dickinson wheeled me over to the radio, tuning it in for me. She knew of my love for music and wanted to make sure that I would be entertained while they were gone. And really, the music of Christmas was about the only thing that could lift my spirits. Next to the radio on the table was an antique manger scene Miss Dickinson had set up for the children. She told me that they would all be back soon and then I'd have a wonderful surprise for Christmas. A little wistfully, I responded that I was too old for Santa to bring me presents. You're never too old for a gift from those that love you or to be surprised, she said with a meaningful smile. Then, with an affectionate parting squeeze of my shoulder, she left to lead the other kids on the caroling trip. I settled in to listen to the sounds of the season as my eyes focused on the miniature manger scene laid out before me. You're listening to an evening of special Christmas Eve programming here on WWOR Radio. We hope you are enjoying it and that it adds to your holiday celebration. Coming up next, we have a special broadcast of Grandpa's Storytime Program, a Christmas Eve tradition here on our station. Grandpa's Storytime is sponsored by Ovaltine, warm, chocolatey, rich Ovaltine. Have some tonight as you listen. And now, here's Grandpa with this week's Bible story. Now, I had heard Grandpa's program before, and I had heard the Christmas story told from the Bible before, when Miss Dickinson read it to us, but there was something different about it this time. Either the loneliness I was feeling, or the quietness of the night, or maybe, maybe I was being spoken to directly. That night, as Grandpa related the events of the Nativity, it came alive in my imagination. I was no longer in a wheelchair in a dark room, but I was there in Bethlehem on that silent night when the promised one came upon a midnight clear. Well, hello everyone. Your favorite grandpa here broadcasting from in front of a warm crackling fireplace on this cold snowy Christmas Eve. Mmm, boy, that Ovaltine sure hits the spot. Thanks for joining me as I tell a true story from the Bible. This week, we'll continue with the story of Christmas. Last week, as you recall, we heard about the angel's visit to a young Jewish girl named Mary. We learned how he told her that she would be with child of the Holy Ghost, and that child would be named Jesus and that he would save his people from their sins. The angel told Joseph also in a dream because he was worried about what to do. He knew he wasn't the baby's father, but once he was told the truth, he was determined to take care of him and raise him as if he was his very own, and he did. Well, nearly nine months had passed since that time and Mary was close to giving birth when word came that they would have to take a journey. Stay by your radio, and we'll journey with them as we discover the true story of Christmas. Now, Jesus was born in a different way than anybody else. All people have a mother and a father, but Jesus' father was God. 
And we only begin when we come into this world as a baby. But Jesus has always lived because he was God the Son. Mary was chosen by God to be Jesus' mother and to bring him into this world as a baby, to be human like us. But he was still God. The time came for Mary to have her baby, but she and her husband Joseph were required by Roman law to return to Joseph's hometown to be counted so that taxes could be collected. It was a hard journey, but they made it. When they came to town, though, all the inns were full of other travelers there for the same reason. Finally, one innkeeper said they could stay in his little barn behind the inn, so they did. He led them around to the back of the inn, showing them where they could stay, a little apart from a place where the animals were. Joseph tried to make Mary as comfortable as he could there among the hay and the animal stalls. And it was that night that she gave birth to Jesus. Now at the same time as all of this, there were some shepherds not too far away watching over their flocks of sheep. Now the shepherd life was looked upon as a lowly occupation back then. Nobody would have thought to invite them to anything important. But God is different. I guess he loves the common man, the little feller, since he made so many of us. And here he proves it by inviting some of the lowest, poorest members of society to welcome the new king. I can picture him standing around, everything real quiet and dark, just like every night. Probably nothing making any sound except a few sheep maybe still awake, and the crickets, and maybe a little wind. But suddenly, there was a blinding light shining down from the sky, brighter than the noonday sun. And then, lo and behold, a big shining angel appears right in front of them. The Bible says that they were sore afraid. That means they were scared plumb to death. They were more scared than I was the last time I let Grandma drive the Buick. And that's plenty scared, because they thought they was going to die, just like I did. But the angel said, Fear not. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then, if that weren't enough, suddenly the sky filled with brilliant angels, till it looked like clouds of radiant beings in white clothes. And then the angels began to sing, all at one time, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now I'll bet the booming voices of thousands of angels sounded like thunder rolling across the plains. And then they all faded away as they went back up into heaven. Oh, what a sight that must have been. And this small band of shepherds, after they got over their fear, were mighty excited. They were shouting to each other, hugging each other, 
pounding each other on the back, jumping for joy. The Messiah was born, and they were invited to come and see him before anyone else. Not King Herod, not the high priest, not even the scribes and Pharisees. What an honor. They could hardly believe it, but they did believe it, and they all agreed that they should hurry off to Bethlehem to see this great thing that the Lord had shown them. And that they did, as fast as their feet would carry them. And I imagine that the sheep were right there behind them, following their herders, wherever they went, as they always did. I reckon that up until then, they all thought that their lives were pretty plain, unexciting. They never thought they were special. They never dreamed that they would get an announcement, an invitation from heaven to come see the Savior. I suspect we've all felt that way a lot from time to time. But somewhere, most of the time, when we least expect it, we get a heavenly invitation to meet the Savior. Let's listen to one of my favorite carols of the season. Well, the scene faded from my sight as I came back to reality. I could understand how the shepherds felt because it seemed as if I had been there with them. I began to feel as if it was somehow more than just being caught up in a story. It seemed as if the invitation to come see the baby had been given to me personally. I felt a desire to see him that must have been as strong as that felt by the shepherds once they had heard about him. Somehow I knew that the answers to the questions I'd begun to have could only be found in the one that came on that night, the most wonderful night in the history of the world. But suddenly, I became aware that I was being watched. I wasn't alone anymore. Someone was standing in the shadows outside the door observing me. A tingle of fright danced down my spine. My mind entertained the thought that perhaps it was the ghost of Christmas future come to visit, dark and bleak. As I wheeled around to see more clearly, they stepped into the dim light. I breathed a sigh of relief when I realized it was only Dr. Spencer, the staff physician and psychologist. He was a fatherly man, and I liked him a great deal, for he really seemed to care about me and the other children. Calling me by his nickname for me, Danny boy, he asked how I was feeling. I told him I was fine, but I wished I was stronger. As he knelt beside my chair and examined my legs, he asked how I had been doing there at the home. I guess he was concerned about my emotional health also. I said I was happy enough, but I wished I could have a real family, ones that took care of me because they loved me, not because they were paid to. I admitted that sometimes I felt like I was worthless and had no hope. At this, Dr. Spencer took me by both of my shoulders and said some words I have never forgotten to this day. Danny boy, he said firmly, don't you dare think like that. You are a priceless gem, infinitely special to our Heavenly Father. He has a plan for you that will lead you down the paths of greatness. We all go through tough times, but we can look to God and trust Him to bring us through. And He will bring you through if you open your heart to him and let him give you his strength. 
It might be a little surprising for some to hear a doctor talk like that, but he believed in the power of prayer and faith more than he trusted pills and psychology. He took a small New Testament out of his pocket and opened it up to the flyleaf where he had written my name with a message. I read the scripture he had quoted, Jeremiah 29, 11, that said, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. This was followed by a line that said, don't forget us when you are blessed. I didn't understand it at the time, but as he stood, he told me, sometimes a blessing can be lurking right around the corner, waiting for us. The trick is holding on until you get it. He shook my hand warmly and left, wishing me a Merry Christmas and a very, very Happy New Year. As I thought on that, the Christmas song was ending and Grandpa came back on with more of the story. I anxiously drew closer to the radio again, eager to join the shepherds on their quest. I sure do love that old Christmas music. In case you're just joining us, I'm Storyteller Grandpa, and we're learning about the birth of Jesus. Well, the shepherds had heard the announcement of the birth of the king right from the angels of heaven. They sure didn't mess around and put it off either. They ran right then to find him. Now, if Jesus had come into the world in a fine mansion, the shepherds would have never been allowed in to see him. But nobody paid any attention to them as they were searching for a manger, going from one cattle stall to the next, looking for Jesus. Now no one would have believed it if you had told them that the creator of the universe would choose to come into this world in a dirty, smelly old animal stable and be laid where they eat hay from. But Jesus was born in humble surroundings to show his kinship and sympathy for poor people everywhere. And even the greatest men must humble themselves to come to him and acknowledge him as their savior and king. Well, they looked and they looked until they found it. And then they saw Joseph kneeling beside Mary who had just given birth only a short time before. Joseph must have been a little concerned when they first approached. I think he might have thought this band of shepherds was looking for a place to stay too. And the small stable didn't have enough room for all of them and their sheep. So he herded them quickly back outside the entrance to find out what they wanted and to protect the privacy of arresting Mary and the baby. I can just hear him saying in a hushed voice, Wait just a minute now. What do you want here? I have my wife and a newborn baby in here. You can't come in. Well, that really got them excited. They began to tell Joseph all about it all at once, and he had to calm them down and be quieter and, and get one of them to explain. So he described to Joseph what they had seen and heard. Joseph was amazed in seeing how the angel had not only confirmed what they knew, but told the shepherds to come. He could only let them in. The shepherds were humbled and filled with wonder as they tiptoed to the manger where Jesus was laying. Mary, tired as she was, graciously leaned forward and pulled back the swaddling clothes a little 
so they could see his face more clearly as Joseph held up an oil lamp. On their knees they gathered around the manger and beheld the face of the promised one. Oh, what a sweet sight it was. This wasn't just another cute baby. Here was the king of all creation, God in the flesh, savior of the world, right before their wandering eyes. And that's what made him so beautiful. There wasn't anything about him physically that would clue you in that here was God incarnate. He looked like a regular baby, but they had been told who he was, and they believed, and they saw him through eyes of faith. It kind of makes sense that shepherds would be the first to come greet him, because he would be the good shepherd who would lay down his life for his sheep. When you come into the presence of Jesus, the most natural thing in the world to do is worship him. And that's just what these poor shepherds did. Of course, they had been to worship God in the temple. Every year, they took a lamb from their flock and went to the temple with it on the Passover, where it would be sacrificed for their sins. But here, here was the very lamb of God who would be slain for their sins once and for all the one that was represented by all the lambs ever offered, the sinless, spotless lamb. And now they were looking into his face and worshiping him according to spirit and truth, not merely to fulfill a requirement of the law. Nobody expected he would come in such a humble way. So the only people present to welcome him into the world were some humble shepherds, who were invited by the angels to the first Christmas celebration. By faith, they accepted the invitation. And as a result, they saw the Savior and believed on him. Well, the shepherds finally left the manger, returning to their hills and flocks, telling everybody they saw what had happened. And Mary and the baby got some sleep as old reliable Joseph watched over them. Now you may be saying, where were the wise men? They came to the major too. We'll talk about that in just a moment after this song. As the music began to play, and the images in my mind gave way to the lights of the Christmas tree my eyes had been trained on, I realized for the first time that Christmas was truly a time for celebration, not just because of the gifts or the parties, but because eternity, heaven, God himself had broken in on the world. A miracle that had really happened that showed that there was more to life than just living, working, and dying. I came to realize that there was more to my life than what I had seen so far. And although I had no earthly family, that maybe it was possible to belong to a bigger family, one that included even someone like me. Now, sitting quietly there with such deep thoughts occupying my mind, I was in no way prepared for what happened next. I thought I heard something 
coming from the emergency exit that led to the back of the building. Turning down the radio, I cocked my head to listen. When outside the door, there arose such a clatter that I rolled over my chair to see what was the matter. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a man dressed as Santa who worked here all year. It was Mr. Clements, the old janitor and groundskeeper, dressed up as St. Nick as he did every year. I guess he wasn't expecting to see me there because as he brought in a box load of presents, he nearly dropped them when he spied me. Then he got into character and tried to cover it up. Well, what have we here? He said in a booming put on Santa voice. A boy who's not where he should be. I couldn't go out caroling with the others this year, I told him with a grin. Ho, 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 he said. Santa is just bringing the presents for all you kids here at the children's home. I know it's you, Mr. Clements, I said. No need to be Santa when it's just me here. Well, this took him aback, and he said, You know, for the last three years, I said as I nodded, I think most of the kids know. He seemed a little deflated by this, so I quickly added, but they all love you for being Santa's helper. Well, this picked him back up some, and so he smiled and placed the boxes under the tree as I watched. He picked up one and held it up, saying, This one's for you. I wonder what it is. I doubt you could fit a home in that little box, Mr. Clements, I said with a touch of the returning sadness. Mr. Clements put down the box and came over to kneel beside me. Oh, now, son, don't you worry about none of that. Your time will come. One day you'll look back on this and you'll think, I kind of miss all them people there at the children's home now that I'm out of there. Because although we might not be blood kin, we're still family. We all love you and love taking care of you until someone else comes along to raise you as their own or you grow up and don't need any of us anymore. I'm embarrassed to say that I got a little choked up on that. It's true, he was just a gardener and a janitor, but at that moment... He was a lot more to me. He missed it up a little too and patted me on the shoulder. If I looked upon Dr. Spencer as a father figure, Mr. Clements was the kindly old grandfather figure. As he stood, he said, Well, I'd best get busy. The little ones will be back here soon, and I've got to have all this ready and then come back in when they do. But remember, Daniel, home is where you find it. We're all related through Adam, and we Christians are related through Jesus. Did you know I spent some years here when I was a little boy, just like you? Well, that surprised me. I told him I never knew that. Sure did. It was hard back during the Depression. My folks couldn't provide for me and the other younger kids too, and, well, being the oldest, I was sent here. But I didn't let it get me down. And when I got back from the war years later, I came back here and got a job. Been here ever since, in about the only home I ever felt like I belonged in. Only one that's been here as long as me is Miss Dickinson, and she's done more for the kids here than anyone else ever has. Of course, the good Lord knows she has her reasons, but that's a story for her to tell, if she ever has a mind to. As he turned to get finished laying the rest of the presents under the tree, I wondered about Miss Dickinson in her past. What had brought her here to invest her life in ours? I resolved one day to find out, but just then I heard the song ending and I knew the conclusion to the story of Christmas was coming up, and I wasn't about to miss it now for anything in the world. So as fast as I could, I rolled myself over to the radio, turned it back up, and settled in to see how it all turned out.
Well, in case you're just tuning in, I'm Grandpa, and we're learning about the very first Christmas. We've heard about the birth of baby Jesus and how the shepherds heard the good news and went to find him. And now you may be wondering, where are the wise men? They came to the manger too. A lot of people think they did, but it happened a little differently than the Christmas nativity scenes show us. When Jesus was born, a special star appeared in the heavens to mark his arrival. A group of wise men in the east saw this, and knowing what the signs in the heavens meant, and knowing the prophecies of the coming king of Israel, who would be the king of all kings, they began a long journey, accompanied by a large caravan of guards and servants. About a year and a half later, after his birth, they arrived in Jerusalem, and finding out from the Jewish leaders where the Messiah was to be born, they went on to Bethlehem. As the wise men neared the little town, behold, the star guided them to the very house where they found the young child, with his mother, no longer a baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And there they worshipped Jesus, and they gave him gifts they had brought, gold frankincense and myrrh and so began the tradition of giving presents to our loved ones to mark the coming of Jesus into this world now we like to get presents for Christmas don't we however the gifts our loved ones give us will be old and broken and forgotten after a short while but the gift God gives us will last forever the gift of eternal life through Christ. The question is, what will you do with this Jesus? Will you accept him as the gift of heaven or reject him as did so many of his own people? Now there may be someone listening who feels rejected too, but would like to be a part of the family of God. You can be. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. If you want to be born into the family of God, adopted as a son, then it's simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Call on him to save you right now. If you'd like, you can pray along with me if you mean it from your heart. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I could never reach heaven like I am. So the words that Grandpa you, had spoken seemed directed right at me. The scriptures heart. inviting me to come to the Savior, to be adopted into his family, to have God as my father, all spoke to my young heart so strongly. So right there on Christmas Eve, I bowed my head and praying right along with Grandpa, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I had heard of him. I had come to see him, as the shepherds did, and I made room for him in my heart. I couldn't turn him away, who came so far to save me, and suffered so much. I gladly swung wide the door of my heart, and he came in. And from that moment on, there was hope and faith I had never known before. I knew that I belonged, that I was loved, 
that a wonderful future awaited me, and someday Jesus would invite me to come to his house where I would live forever with the family of God. The joy of Christmas came alive in me and would shine brightly from that day forward. Just then, Miss Dickinson and the other kids returned from their caroling trip. They were all so excited about the presents under the tree, but Miss Dickinson said they would get to open those only in the morning. But right now, the special Christmas guest she had told them about was here. Mr. Clem, <clears throat> I mean, Santa came in with his bag of presents. The tradition was that they would all go to the main entry foyer where the biggest tree was as Santa handed out the gifts he had brought. So off they all went. As I was beginning to follow, Miss Dickinson stopped me. I wondered for a moment if I really was too big for Santa's presence, but she smiled kindly as she told me to stay behind, that the surprise she has for me couldn't fit in Santa's sack. Daniel, she explained, you remember the last couple that you stayed with who had to let you come back? I told her I did, that I had really hoped I could stay with them. I had been sorely disappointed when they had to leave town. Miss Dickinson explained that they had been expecting a large inheritance, but it was contested, and a lawsuit was filed against them. But now, the lawsuit had been settled, and they received the large inheritance. Miss Dickinson beamed as she told me they came back to take me home for good. And the adoption papers had just gone through. Dr. Spencer had given me a final examination earlier and pronounced me well enough to go. They were waiting for me in the administrator's office to take me to my new home. I was so shocked that I hardly reacted at first. Miss Dickinson put her arm around my shoulder and told me that although she was happy for me, she would miss me terribly. As the news sunk in, I realized just how much I would miss her as well. There was one last thing I wanted to ask her, and if I didn't do it now, I might not be able to. I asked Miss Dickinson why she had come here and stayed all those years. After hesitating a moment and looking off into space as if gazing at a scene that caused her pain, she answered me. She told me that when she was younger, her husband had died in the war, and then a house fire had killed all three of her children. She could have given up in sorrow, but she turned to God for comfort. Being a mother without her children, she was led here, where there were children who were without a mother. They had become her family and her children. Now her family was a large one, and one day, when she joined her children in heaven, she would bring many more with her. That answered, there was no more putting off the hard goodbye. Miss Dickinson moved first and held me close for a moment. As Miss Dickinson wheeled me out of the activity room and down the hall toward the administrator's office, I thought how my hopes and dreams had finally come to pass. But as happy as that made me, nothing could surpass the inner joy I already felt from becoming a part of the family of God. And although I have had many happy Christmases since, none can quite touch the memories I made that one special December 24th. I knew then I would never forget where I came from and what I had learned there, that sometimes family isn't always just flesh and blood kin, but those who love us and whom we love, and that being in the family of God connects us all.
All that happened over 20 years ago. And although such a long time has passed, and much has happened, it's amazing just how much of this place I remember, and most surprisingly, how fondly I recall it. Sometimes when we're in a situation, we find only the bad and miss the good until we reflect back on it. My new family was able to get the best doctors and specialists to treat me, and by the time I was a teenager, I was starting to walk. By the time I graduated from school, I was in perfect health. Later, I married one of the interns I had met while attending medical school, and we had a beautiful girl a few years later. We also adopted a little boy from this same home. My foster parents presented the orphanage with a generous gift that enabled them to hire more staff and fix up the place. Shortly after that, I became the staff physician here, and my wife, Fran, is my nurse. My wife and I love little Tim as much as our natural daughter, Danielle. He doesn't remember living here, but he will always remember coming here when we visit and sympathizing with the orphan children. It's funny, but when I was living here, I would never have believed it if I had been told that one day I would return to be on the staff. At the time, all I wanted was to be away from it. And now, I'm able to offer to the new children the same comfort with which I was comforted. And I try to impart the hope that comes from seeing the future through the eyes of faith. Our family is richer for coming here often, and it's a holiday tradition now to come and accompany the kids on their annual Christmas Eve caroling walk around the neighborhood. And of course, it wouldn't be the same without Miss Dickinson. When the time came when she could no longer get around on her own, Fran and I couldn't bear to see her go to a nursing home, as she had no living relatives or children to take care of her. So we opened our home to her, and she now lives with us. And later, after a visit from a special surprise guest, we'll take her along with us as we all go out caroling. It's funny how things turn out. Grandpa is no longer on the radio, having went home to heaven years ago. So now, it's part of the tradition that I retell the Christmas story to all the children. I hope it's as real to them in their imagination and hearts as it became to me back then. And I hope it's a little more real to you having heard my story tonight. I thank you for listening as I've enjoyed remembering and sharing it with you. And it's my hope and prayer that you find the same hope, joy, and acceptance that I did. And one day, join all of us in heaven at the reunion of God's great family. <laughs>